0: Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about the Acquisitions Incorporated Dungeon Guide. I think the name is pending, maybe it's that, but uh, Penny Arcade and Wizards of the Coast are partnering to make a really super interesting book. Also, we kind of dive into the CR system and how broken can it be? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir.
1: Hello, sir. Hello, Hello, sir. Oh, yeah. There you go. The the old joke. (laughs) Could you be Sir Jordan? That'd be cool. (laughs) Sir
0: Jordan? Sir Jordan and Sir Lucian? I don't know if I'm knight, knight material yet. Like, all right, so we'll Squire, have to talk maybe? things. <laughs> Squire, yeah, yeah, peasant. I, peasant. I could be a peasant. Okay. This is uh, uh not DD rules, Duke. this is Dungeon yeah, Crawl Classics rules Duke. where I could be a peasant and stuff. Yes,
1: welcome to the DCC uh, yeah, morning, Saturday morning show. Saturday morning show. Um, we got
0: some people over at YouTube. So, hello, brother Ming hey, Games and YouTube. Beard Bear and Kyle. Thank you guys for coming out and catching mm-hmm. us live. Nice to see you and all the people over there at Twitch as well. Um, very exciting day of Dungeons & Dragons because uh, a book that I didn't know that I wanted, but now that it's announced, I want it more than any book I've ever wanted, uh, mm-hmm. was just announced at PAX South. Um, so for all of you wonderful people that at PAX South, that's uh, they'll probably have some more information leaking about this. But um, let me pull up my notes it is called, well, it's just Acquisitions Incorporated D&D Book. Does it have a title, though?
1: I don't know if they've released all of that marketing part on it. I think it's been some interviews about what they're going to do and the process of getting it going. It's called I the, haven't seen.
0: yeah, Acquisitions Incorporated Dungeon Manual. Dungeon Manual. Yeah, so I think, sense. I don't know if that's the official title, but that's what they've been calling it on the website. Um, right. But... I got into Dungeons and Dragons because of Acquisitions Incorporated. Like I follow Penny Arcade because I love Penny Arcade. And when they started like with the podcast for fourth edition, I was listening and I'm like, well, this is really fun. And and just them having fun at the table. I'm like, I want that experience. I want to also have just silly fun at the table. Uh, So it's been it's been 10 years of Acquisitions Incorporated now. Like that's crazy to think about. Yeah. Uh, they've been going for quite a while. And then they transitioned over to fifth edition. Obviously the Chris Perkin games are super fun to listen to. Um, I look forward to them every time that we had, but now Jeremy uh, Crawford is That's running right? them. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they're still going strong, mm-hmm. which is really cool and bringing in new characters and things like that. Back in the day, it was just the the four of them with Will Wheaton mm-hmm. and what have uh, You know, and now that I think about it, I love, I love uh, acquisitions incorporated so much. I should seriously consider making, A history of acquisitions incorporated for my YouTube channel, like I would find that very fun to kind of map out like all the ins and outs because I think I think Scott Kurtz and Will Wheaton got into a fight, oh, and that's why Will yeah, and that's why Will Wheaton didn't come back to play in a lot of the D and D sessions is like they got in a little tiff. It would be interesting to to see if I could map it out like the the history of them bringing on extra guests and what have you and starting the C team and all this other stuff, but. Mm I don't know. What do you think this book is about?
1: Well, it's it's interesting that you say, too, because I they were one of the first um, kind of watching people play D&D that I had seen also. Yeah. But I still wasn't it wasn't like the streamer version of it because it was a it was a recording of them at a convention. Right. And then it goes out on YouTube at some point. So it wasn't necessarily yeah. the whole streaming thing. So I saw that and I thought I, I used to think. Wow, it's it's amazing to me that there would be a a rows and rows of people sitting there watching someone play a bunch of people sitting up on the table playing D and D. And what I liked about their version, um, and I still like to this day, versus any of the other versions you might see anywhere else, including anything you see on my channel, their D and D game always felt like the D and D game I played because it always felt like they had a DM who had a really good story and I had lots of DMs that had good stories and they kept us going, but there was always these really funny pop culture jokes that all the players were making and we had a bunch of inside jokes with each other and we were all, but it was all good natured fun too. And it always felt like that was the closest I had um, to saying yeah that's kind of that's what D is for me i that's how my group is maybe not quite as funny as some of those guys are because those guys are very i mean professional funny bold. people cracks <laughs> me up his humor his sense of humor yeah just is insane and then if it was just that right if it was only that and it was gonna be a book about just that group that very first group like you said with um um, will Wheaton and those characters Kurtz, before VRE, yeah. even before those, yeah. I might've said, oh, okay, you know, I liked it. It was cool, but I don't know if I want to run a campaign in their thing. Cause it is forgotten realms, but it's just adding kind of their thing mm-hmm. into it. But the moment they start adding in a lot of the cooler character, well, not cool, even more fun characters. Mm-hmm. And then they start talking about B team. Then they start talking about C team. C team is the one that made me say, wait a minute. I want to run a campaign that has something like this, where they're a franchise of Acquisitions, Inc. I pick a town way out on the other side of the world and I say, all right, Acquisitions, Inc. has allowed you a charter. You go out there and you be part of Ac, Inc. and have that whole thing kind of fit in. And I think it's such a great timing because C-Team was really funny because they played into that whole hey, we've got this chance to be a franchise but we can't mess it up and there's a whole bunch of hijinks and things. And Jerry's running that as a DM and I'd never seen Jerry be the DM. Um, And he just blew me away with his style. He blew me away with his humor, the way he describes things. And I just thought it's so funny that I like Chris Perkins but then I found another GM that I liked. And then, they give Mike the reins for one or two episodes because he'll sometimes come in and he'll do a special episode that we get to see. He used to do for them a lot that we didn't get to see, but the one that we got to see, I'm just like, holy crap, is he super creative when he runs a Mario Kart style game in Dungeons and Dragons or they, they do this thing. So now all of a sudden it's not just them that are funny guys, not just these guys that create some comics, but they're smart funny, right? They're very intelligence funny and very on point. And very relevant to what's happening today very relevant in what's happening in the hobby they're always constantly talking with people that are building games so they're part of the whole game creating community they're running the conventions they're playing the games Um, i saw them when i was at uh, pax unplug jerry was at a warhammer table and Ryan walked up and was talking to him, and I was just I just geeked out. I didn't even go over and do anything because I was like, <laughs> that'd be too much of a fan, you know. Just let them have their conversation or whatever. But I was like, I'm gonna take a picture just because they're there and there's you know I'm I'm ten feet. Look at this. How cool is that? So it's funny how they are. And I like so I heard this book and I'm like, that's such a great idea for a campaign book because it drives this. It drives your players. It gives your players a chance to have a storyline for those players that must have something fed to them because you know how we talked about this in a couple shows ago where our players were like well i think jordan wants us to do this so we're gonna do this yeah i think that's where the storyline's going they're trying to find your and you're just like no you guys could do whatever you want you want to go in the desert you go to the desert you want to go to the pyramid you go i'm here you guys just tell me what you want to do and they're like we think jordan wants us to go to the pyramid yeah and do this, right? So with Act Inc, you get that, you get this, okay, you're part of a franchise, and if you ever start to waffle, or you ever start the group doesn't really know what to do, well now you can send a message in from the main office that says, hey, I need you to do this. And then if they want to go and do something, you can say, okay, yeah, yeah, let's go and explore that and do all this cool stuff. But the moment they get stuck again, or the moment they're not sure what they need to do or want to do, boom, we've got the HQ sending something in to say, hey, you guys need to go check this thing out because we think there's a dragon there up in this cave and you need to go save this village from the dragon that's terrorizing right and then boom i can play dragon on the mount or whatever <laughs> I think it's super cool of a concept and it's almost like if it was a mercenary company or we do it in our games we sometimes try to figure out why do players get sent out to do these dangerous things here's that perfect thing so i can't wait to see how what rules they give us. Because it's in Forgotten Realms, right? They don't have to tell us about Long Saddle. They don't have to put in a bunch of lore. We have the lore. So what are they going to fill the book with? It must be how to be a franchise of the main office and what that means. So I'm interested to see what that is.
0: Yeah, no, I think the book is definitely going to be... uh, Here's Okay, so backing up, um, one of the really core mechanics of dungeons and dragons is exploration and acquiring new stuff. Um, Whether that's gold or magic items, but you are exploring like a dungeon. And then at the end of the dungeon, you defeat something and you get his magic staff. And that's really cool. And that they, they're kind of taking that premise and putting a loose story over it with this whole acquisitions incorporated, like you're a franchise of that. And so all they're doing is is taking the simple base mechanics of the game, but putting a, a loose wrap around it, um, which is really brilliant because a lot of a lot of new dungeon masters who are like i don't know what to do now they have a really like easy thing like your job is to explore not die and come back with money for the main office and they're gonna take Mm -hmm. like a percentage of your money or something and so uh it's just i don't know i think it's really brilliant and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun obviously if the penny arcade writers are behind it it's gonna be chock full of humor Mm -hmm. um I guess they were considering starting this as a kickstarter i read that Um, and so yeah i read that in the interview like they were like well we're gonna do a kickstarter and then uh we'll take that kickstarter and you know make a book everybody's doing kickstarters colville has his million dollar kickstarter like surely penny arcade (laughs) can have that um but they contacted wizards of the coast just to give them a heads up like hey we're thinking about making this book and wizards of the coast said well why don't we make it with you and they were like, oh, that's like a much better idea. Like, holy cow. So now mm-hmm. it's this official product between the two of them. It'll probably have m- magic items, maybe a couple new spells, maybe something like that. But it's going to be, it's going to follow that format of Dungeons & Dragon books that we've come to expect from Wizards of the Coast, I feel, where it's going to be like, here's how to maybe make a dungeon. Here's how to populate a dungeon. Um, here's how to uh, story-wise fit Acquisitions Incorporated into your game. Uh, I don't know. I'm really excited for this. Like they announced it. I'm like, that is a book, like I said earlier, that I was not, I didn't know that I wanted until they announced it. And now I want it more than anything else. So. Yes.
1: Yeah, definitely. And what I like about it too, like you said something about a new GM being able to run this, a new DM running it. And what I like about that is Acquisitions Inc. does one thing that I think we all can relate to is it brings in this idea of corporate modern day structure but taken in a medieval fantasy bent right so a person who's coming into this as a brand new dungeon master can latch on because now they know half of the premise they understand corporate humor watching the office or being in an office themselves understand the funniness of it and now they can add in while they learn the fantasy in this. Because if you're not, and you're, you're brand new to dungeon mastering, and you decide you open up the book, but you haven't done a lot of research, you haven't read a lot of Tolkien, you haven't read a lot of fantasy novels, you haven't gone out there and done a lot of research, all of a sudden there's a lot you feel like you need to know. Like you need to know what dragons are, you need to know everything you th- can think about in Forgotten Realms because I'm gonna place it in Forgotten Realms. Now I need to know about Waterdeep because I'm gonna put my players in Waterdeep. So that can overwhelm that brand new Dungeon It it even comes up, like I'm learning a new game right now that's called, uh, when we're gonna talk about it when we get to the news, but the part-time gods. And it's about being in modern time. And I just had a really fantastic time last night because I'm gonna set it in Chicago. And even though I've driven through Chicago and I know some things about Chicago, I actually had to dive into it because now I'm going to set a game there Mm -hmm. and I felt like I needed to know more. So I was like getting maps out and figuring out where streets were and transportation and how all this stuff works and it really dives in. So it felt like that. Oh my God, I need to know all this thing. So I could see how a book like this could be very easy because it gives them something to say, okay, it's going to be funny. It's going to be this kind of corporate thing. We're going to get this weird, you know, like where's my red stapler kind of jokes. We're going to get, um, yeah, like you said, there's a home office that's expecting, your TPS reports on mm-hmm. how many uh, dungeons you went through, how much gold you brought back. Like You gotta fill out all your paperwork. And somebody mentioned in chat, like the Documancy um, class, like they had these classes that they gave their players um, that he gave to the C team. So I think it, and I think it'll be structured more like C team than the regular acting. Yeah. I think we'll get more of the franchise side of it, creating a franchise McDonald's style company in this forgotten fantasy world versus, hey, here's how you could role play with, um, you know. uh, Jim Dark Magic or something. Jim Dark, yeah, yeah. We'll get some of that stuff, but I don't know if they'll get deep history. Like, are they going to go back and tell us the full backstory histories of those characters, maybe? Or are they just going to focus on the franchise side? No, I think
0: it's it's definitely focused on the franchise, probably. Uh, Obviously, we don't know. It's all speculation. But the book's coming out in 2019. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it by this summer. Like with the six with the, years yeah. they've been
1: working on it is what they said I think something like I that. don't know
0: quite a while uh, yeah, the, the article off mentioned- and on and I think they said they have like over half of it done already they just need to like finalize it with Wizards of the Coast and actually throw in some extra stuff but. Um, gosh I don't know I'm so excited for this like (laughs) super super was just amped when they announced it because it's like it's just a a great marriage between two things that I love you know Penny Arcade and and Dungeons and Dragons and so uh,
1: it's gonna be lots of fun well like in six months though that's the that's the crazy thing like we get Ravnica which we read through and we're like oh my god this is really cool and different I didn't even know what it was gonna be like and I love it I was just trying to imagine. And we got Matt Colwell's strongholds and, and followers is really close. You get the PDF now and you're like you read through that and you're going, Oh my God, this is so good. I want to play in this world. And then we get something like at this act ink, you're like, Oh my god, I want to play in this world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like all these things, you're just like, I need more time to play Dungeons and Dragons.
0: I also love that the Forgotten Realms is evolving and it's not just um that I guess that there's a humor to it that they're accepting now uh, because they are putting Acquisitions Incorporated. It is part of the Forgotten Realms. It's going to be Forgotten Realms canon going forward that there is Omen Drawn and he has this organization and he kind of like runs through the realms. Uh, Because uh, I sorry, backing up, I guess I'm happy that it's not taking itself too seriously. Um, Hmm. And it just is because that's kind of my type of humor like when we take things ultra serious I'm like guys at at the heart it's a game we all know it's a game like we're playing a game but there are the people no where El Elminster comes and we are the forgotten realms and you know and there yeah. there's a there's a dare I say Tolkien pretentiousness where you know people really latch on to Lord of the Rings and they want to take it super serious and they want to do all this other stuff when when I'm like but it it is it it could be we could not take it as serious, you know? We could just have fun because we're playing a game. Uh, and so I like that the Forgotten Realms is evolving a little bit, I think. Um, it's well, kind of, of exciting. All the realms and that though, it's like a forget you... a living world almost. Like yeah. it has been changing with, with the storylines and things like that that's been coming out, so.
1: Yeah, wouldn't you think though too that Forgotten Realms of all of the different realms you can play that came from Wizards of the Coast, it's the one that has the most humor in it. it ha- it's the one that has... A Xanathar that lives underwater deep that keeps true. a goldfish in a bowl. Or yeah. all these weird pop culture references or all these little funny things versus you go to Greyhawk and that's pretty serious fantasy without crazy quips about other funny stuff. It's more of like a like you said, uh, or even Dragonlance or even like you said, Token, or people that want to take that seriously. There are darker, grittier genres. Dark Sun. Yeah. You know? like darker, grittier. Whereas Forgotten Realms feels High fantasy feels more humor in it than than we've seen anywhere else, especially in the books these days. There's all kinds of funny um, stuff. Like I was just reading spell ingredients and stuff. Somebody's always posting on Twitter about how how funny it is that you can if you look at some of the old spell ingredients that even came from d d the first edition. They were funny things. They were you know they were just like um, like I think the knock spell needs a sesame sh- seed. So it's like, you know, open, open sesame doors, Yeah. open sesame. So yeah, they have a lot of these little things in there that I just thought was pretty funny that sometimes we don't recognize. Yeah. See the
0: invisibility needs awesome. like flour or dust. And the idea is yeah. that you're throwing it in the air so you can <laughs> see the guy like yeah.
1: walking through it. So yeah, so super funny stuff like that. So it, it's exciting. It's and it's still exciting. I'm a person who has created and you have to. Our own homebrew world, loosely attached to Forgotten Realms at this point. Mine's loosely attached to Forgotten Realms. I think yours is too, right? You, no, I would
0: say more than loosely attached. Like I, I borrow a okay. lot of maps and locations when I run, but I have not. I don't incorporate the history of the Forgotten Realms other than just like a baseline mythology.
1: Yeah, because so. like your current storyline is your your upside down pyramid and your bad guy. That that isn't based in anything that no. you've got. Yeah. That's yeah, something so, I just created. Yeah. yeah. And I went all the way across the ocean to the whole other continent that doesn't get talked about very often. And that's where mine, mine is. So we're still kind of loosely based there and still I'm excited about these other books. Like even though we're creating our own and we, we get full run of whatever we want to do, mm-hmm. it's still exciting to think about a Ramnica book or an Ack Inc book or a Matt Colville's world book, you know, these Zandria. I, I even have Telldory up on up on mm-hmm. the shelf there. So even Matt, um mercer's world is even interesting to me so it's still cool to see these things and and taking dungeons and dragons in all kinds of different directions so it was a cool piece of news that just kind of came out of nowhere
0: yeah well i mean not out of nowhere i guess (laughs) Pack south they were going to announce something because it's Pack south but uh no i'm really excited and i hope that more information comes out uh like by next week we can have maybe some more information or maybe by next month we'll have some more information but um really really excited for that book But uh, any other news that was going on? I didn't see a lot going on other than that book, but.
1: Yeah, I didn't see, like I watched the news stuff and it was all just about products that have already been out. They still haven't given us, I really thought we might hear more about the Nautical campaign, but we didn't Mm -hmm. get anything extra. Um, We didn't have another spoilers and swag. So maybe it's coming up in this next week that we get something. I know it's coming soon, because they want to start getting that thing ramped up and start talking about the big stream they're going to do, start talking about the book itself. Um, They'll start wanting to do giveaways. Um, They'll start wanting to incorporate with the other games. So like Neverwinter Nights Online usually tries to do something that incorporates with the the next big campaign that comes out. Uh, Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms, a Steam game usually tries to do something that corresponds with it. So I'm sure there's all this new content kind of ready to kick off the moment they announce what it actually is. So we're kind of waiting to see. Yeah. Um, other than that, we didn't see, I don't think Mike has done anything. Mike Merles hasn't done his show restarted it back up. Um, we've seen some stuff from the D and D beyond guys a little bit more from them, but still not news like stuff. It's more like interview stuff or just chats and talks and things like that. So kind of lean on the dungeons and dragons news this this week. Which is
0: okay, because we just, you know, dive right into uh, yeah. what, what are you working on in games this week, Lucian?
1: <laughs> Boy, all kinds of stuff's going on. That's so, cool. we got the, we're still working on the new thing, what I had just started talking about, which was um, the show where I'm calling it RPG Crash Course, and we're learning a new game every single month. The very first month, month of January, is for the game um, called Part-Time Gods and from third eye games and um it's really fun and interesting to let your brain work on another style of campaign that you want to run because we get very used to running lots of d d campaigns and so my brain is in that what i want to do with my revenor thing what i'm going to do here oh i want to run this one shot for these characters with this premise and there's a lot Mm. of d d ideas running through my head all the time, but it's also nice to sometimes put that aside for a second and say, okay, this is today, this is going to happen in Chicago, these three players that have created their characters are going to be on a a commute train on their way into downtown to go to work wherever they work or go to the college, the school that they're going to, and this thing happens and so I get to think about how this thing happens. And then I was looking at a, a map of Chicago last night and I'm like, Oh, I want to put it here where the train goes underground a little bit near downtown. And that's where it happens. Well, why does the train get derailed? Cause like, I knew I needed it to get derailed, but I didn't know why yet. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, now let me give it a reason why. Okay. Now that fits in. And now let's start putting in some other stuff. So it's really exciting to kind of look back at that. We're going to play this very short campaign and learn this game. The other cool thing was about it is I got some messages from people that are fans of that part-time game or part-time gods. They're like play testers and stuff. And they're like, Hey, Lucian, I see you're going to play this. If you have any questions, let me know. I've been play testing it for a while. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. That's, that's kind awesome of community. I want to reach. And my players are excited about their characters because we're in that fun phase of, character creation and thinking about how things intertwine and some backstory you have a grandma and she's the one that inspired you to do this and that's always seems to be the most fun for me of any campaign is that very beginning just before we start session all the other sessions can be fun but something it never seems to be as fun as that very first before anything's happened, but we're all thinking about what could happen or or what's about to happen or where things are gonna go. There's just so much excitement
0: in that. Yeah.
1: Um, so it's really fun doing that. And then we'll do that for January. We've got, um, I think we've got two more weeks of that. If I look at my calendar, do we have two more Sundays? So we have the 20th and the 27th. Yep. So we have two more Sundays. We're gonna play two sessions of that. And then on the third, I will announce the next game we're gonna play for the month of February. And we're gonna learn a whole nother RPG game. So I'm really excited about it. I'm hoping my players stick with it. Um cuz sometimes it's hard to find players right now that don't only want to play Dungeons and Dragons. It seems yeah. like everybody will jump on like if you say hey I'm going to run a Dungeons and Dragons game, you can find 50 players at this point. You say hey, I'm going to run this other game and you kind of like you got to go find two players and you're hoping to talk your third player into it who doesn't really want to play but they will <laughs> you know I'm just well like, i was talking oh, I to somebody guess. about that
0: and like it's just the the daunting task of learning a new system and people mm-hmm. are and, and it is it, like it can be especially if you're jumping from i don't know like D to fate like it can be like this is completely different and you're relying on different mechanics uh and so i i sympathize with those people that are just like, I just don't have the patience to learn a new system right now. But I would also encourage people to go out there and learn new systems because you'll find cool mechanics that you want to take and incorporate back in your D and D games. If that's the game of your, if that's your game of choice, like you find really cool, like, Oh, I like how this game handles this. I'm going to use that when I do my D and D game. And I've done that a lot. So.
1: Yeah. We're, and we're always being inspired by a show. We might watch a comic. We might read, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when we're sitting and binging Netflix and all of a sudden I start thinking, like I was watching The Mist was on Netflix. And I just remember this vividly uh, several months ago and it just struck me. I was like, I need to do a DD and d game where there's this crazy mist that takes over a town and what are the players going to do? <laughs> there's all kinds of horrors and you can't see more than 10 feet, 15 feet in front of you. And it changed the whole dynamics of the game. All of a sudden when your your sight lines are so small, And you don't know what's going on and things are supernatural and you don't know what to expect. And so it's swimming in the mist. Right. (laughs) So it was really cool to do that kind of stuff. So that's what I liked about it. Um, I feel like for me to be creative, I have to always be looking for different avenues for that creativity, because I I have lots of Dungeons and Dragons ideas, but I don't want my entire week just filled with five games of Dungeons and Dragons, which I've done in the past (laughs) where it was like different game after different game but they still were all 5e i want to expand out of that and i am a sci-fi fan i love science fiction if you ask me what my favorite movies are they're always science fiction movies of some sort so it just mm-hmm. seems natural that i should have one or two science fiction role-playing games you know on the shelf or playing them or running a campaign and it's always funny that you don't see those as much as you see fantasy whereas if you look at the movie industry or the book industry i wonder if the sci-fi side of it is bigger than the fantasy side. But in our tabletop role playing, it's the fantasy side that's the biggest one versus the sci-fi one. Mm-hmm. So Definitely movies. Sci-fi is more popular than fantasy and movies. Yeah, um, yeah. Marvel, yeah. Infinity Wars, <laughs> you know, like superheroes that we get nothing but that right now. So, and I love it. I don't say that like I don't like it. I love it. <laughs> so what again is the
0: game that you're running for the month of January?
1: Part-time Gods. Part-time Gods, okay. Third Eye Games. It was a kickstarted. It is now, I think you can get the PDF. The actual physical book will be getting mailed out pretty soon. Um, It's the second edition of that game. The first edition is still out on DriveThruRPG. And it's basically about this idea that gods walk amongst Mm -hmm. us, but they hide themselves because it's a big pain. And there are things out there that want to steal the divinity of those gods. So if they, they make too much of a ruckus these things come and try to steal their power and basically kill them, eat them, do whatever they do. And then that God no longer exists. So it's more about them being hidden, but still existing in the world and what that looks like. All these different pantheons, like what happens when you have the Egyptian pantheon bump into the Viking pantheon, Mm -hmm. because all this stuff exists. And so you can have a lot of cool interplay stories. So it feels to me like I could do these games that are, that are kind of like X-Files style, or um, Lost Girl Style or um, the one where she's a, a relative of Wyatt Earp and she goes around killing demons. I forget the name of it. But it's, again, like that because these pantheons will mash up together. In, that, in those shows, they'll have something from, like, an old ancient Native American kind of myth, but then it'll bump into some weird Viking thing or Christian thing or mm-hmm. – know, whatever it is, all these different pantheons, Or an e- Egyptian god will rise up again at some point and then they have to deal with it. And, and I like that idea of that. So that's what this is. And our players get a part of a spark. And then what does that mean? They become the god of something. They become, they have a domain. Mm-hmm. So like our players have, we have the patron god of gambling now. We have one that is a elemental god of the void and we also have an elemental god of, I'm, I'm blanking now, but it's two elemental gods and one patron god. So it's really interesting to kind of dive into that and see what that is and and play around with it. So pretty cool. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's a fun, different way to build a campaign because it has to do with modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can use real world things. Like The cool thing was I was looking at that map in Chicago and I'm like, okay, one of the players, his work is at the... Um, the Field Museum, because we he, he works at a museum. And the other ones, they wanted to be medical students at a college. So I went to the Field Museum, and I'm like, not too far over there's Rush University Medical Center, and Rush University Medical School is like within five miles of the place. I'm like, okay, so they'll be going to Rush University, and and he'll be going to Field, and they all take this train in, and it's going to wreck. and But I also want to put in a little thing about um, this cult, who is trying to steal something from the Field Museum. And I'm like looking around, and I'm looking at this area and I find this um, place called the Glasner House. And it's like this old style castle like house that sits downtown in Chicago. And I'm just thinking in my mind, I'm like, okay, so the cultists have taken this over because they need a base of operations to go and get the thing out of the Field Museum. One of my players works at the Field Museum. This is how everything's gonna get tied in. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be like a big Indiana Jones kind of fun, cool thing. And it was just, I just sat back and thought, man, how much fun am I having just sitting on the Google page, then going to another page and looking at something and then making up, okay, there's going to be some weird cult here. There's going to be, this thing's going to be haunted. This thing's going to have a creature that nobody knows lives in the tunnel. And that's the whole problem is they've woken it up at this point or something, you know, like all this weird stuff. So you can really do some cool stuff with places you could drive to. Like I'm sitting down in the... I I zoom all the way down to street level, so I'm walking on the street. I'm like, oh, yeah, look at this building, and look at this alleyway and this doorway. We can have a fight right here, and I can have pictures of it. I could have, here's this thing. So it was really interesting to be able to go and and just grab that. So it seems really fun. I think my players are going to have fun. We're trying to do videos that you can watch it, but it's kind of raw, so it's not necessarily I wouldn't say it's like this thing that is going to be like 10,000 people are going to want to watch it because it's us stumbling through the rules. But what I find interesting about it is that experience of stumbling through the rules and still getting to the part where we can play. Mm -hmm. Like it's this idea that we're going to get through it and we may get stuff wrong. We're going to play it and we're going to play a rule and it'll be wrong. But the idea is to show that that's okay. Just start playing. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you don't know that rule, just make something, we'll make a roll up. Uh, You guys roll a, a D10 If you get six, seven, or eight, this happens. And we'll go back and say, oh, there's actually a rule for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we'll start using the rule like we used to do. So I'm hoping it encourages people to say it's okay to play a little bit wrong. Get it right the more you play. Expose people to other games that are out there. Give us that feeling of starting something new and different. Bring some spotlight to these other great creators that are there. There's just so many cool things about it that I'm, I'm glad that I'm getting it going and And trying to make 2019 a really big year for it. 12 different rpgs and lots of different things and lots of different ways to play
0: it reminds me of uh, my friends this was they were playing this before i was friends with them but i guess back in the day they played uh, a white wolf game where Mm -hmm. they they statted themselves so they're like what's your strength what's your intelligence what's your this and they so they made themselves as characters and then the game took place in their hometown And so when they finished the game, there was like zombies and all this other crazy stuff. But when they finished the game, they would like walk by... Uh, you know, Joe's pizza shop. And they're like, oh, this is where we took care of those like head crabs that were coming out of like people's heads. Isn't that yeah. so cool? And like, they had all these memories of the town that they were in. And it just made me think of like your players walking through the streets of Chicago. And they're like, oh, that's where the evil cultists were at. Like, isn't yeah. that cool? And that's a that's a fun, unique experience that uh, an RPG set in a real world
1: can, um, can do for you. Can so. bring. Yeah, yeah. So that's been super fun. Um, and if that wasn't enough, I'm still running my Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition homebrew West Marches style game. We had a really good game on Wednesday. Um, They group in on the map that I have, that I've created this big hex map that they all have access to is really funny because it looks like it's a really big hex map. But when, if they were to zoom out my version of it, it's like this small thing like this. And then it's like the, the actual map is like humongous. So they only know about this much. Now, when I made the map, I went through and I randomly placed um, like with the West Marches, there's a couple ways you can do it. So you can go out and random things can happen to you. And a lot of times West Marches are these big random tables that you'll create. And then when mm-hmm. they go out, they just so you don't have to prep anything like they go one hex over. You roll what's supposed to be there. And now that's what's there. Right. So you, you kind of make it as you go. And I wanted some of that which we do, but I also wanted some key places, just like you're doing with uh, Hot Springs Island. There are key places that are set, even though there's a lot of randomness happening anywhere else. Yeah. That. So I set out like a module that was an A D D module that I converted. And then I set something that I knew I wanted to be just a storyline thing. And so I set up these shrines that were shrines that I'm hoping they uncover at some point. And here's some more storyline about what's happened to this land and why it is the way it is. But then it's interspersed with stuff that's not storyline based, it's just, hey, here's a dungeon, go, go find treasure, it's cool. Um, and so I mixed and matched the numbers of stuff I used for that. So they, they in the last two sessions, for the last two weeks, they randomly have picked two storyline things, things that start talking about what's going on in this land. And as somebody who's a homebrew creator. It's the trap we sometimes fall into as Dungeon Masters, where we create this big elaborate storyline and we want them to find it. And like we're like, no, guys, you have to find this super bad guy that I've created, even if they want to go off and do something. So sometimes Mm. we get in trouble because we're like... No, I want I want to do the lore dump, right? Because we yeah. always hear about don't just do the lore dump, right? Don't just do this big thing. But you in your mind, you've created all this. Why do the gods do this? And who's fighting who? And what, you know, what was the cataclysm that caused all this? And you want your players to find it. So they stumbled on it on their own, without me forcing it to happen, to lore things. And they're really starting to speculate now in the Discord about what's going on. And it's fun because I have Discord now where I can watch them talk and discuss in character what they think is going on and what it is they think they just found and how that ties into what's happened in this land. So it's really cool to see how this organically happens for them to try to figure out what's going on without me forcing it on them. Because I want them to know this stuff. I want them to know this cool, crazy story I've created of why and what has happened to the peoples that have lived here before. Why is it they're in a forgotten realm, right? Because that's what forgotten realms was supposed to be, right? It was these layer upon layer upon layer of lost and forgotten cities. And that is the whole main thing. And yes, we have a lot of information about what's here now, but we, we only have little snippets about all the other kingdoms that have risen and fallen, risen and fallen, Netheril, and, and you know uh, the, the, the kingdoms of the giants which have slowly been pushed back to the north, but they used to span for a long, you know, so where are all those old towns and where are those old cities that you might stumble on? So that's what Forgotten Realms was, was, and that's what I feel like I'm bringing into my Revenor game is this idea of, hey, you found a new land. It's this completely forgotten realm that you have nothing and you don't know anything about it, and you're exploring it and finding out what it is. The other thing that was really funny about that episode that I wanted to bring up is... Uh, I chose, I wanted some like fire elemental kind of creature to fight them Mm -hmm. because they're underneath a, a mountain that is basically a sort of dormant volcano. And it made sense to me that as they got towards the center of this and it was getting hotter and hotter and hotter that the encounter that they might have in this long forgotten place would be something cool like a fire elemental. So I was looking through the book and I was like, well, I don't know, fire elementals, they come in at like CR five right away. So they're like pretty significant already. And I'm like, it's not quite what I wanted. So I found fire snakes and I thought, okay, fire snakes, this is cool. They're CR one creature. Um, They do have a multi-attack, but the damage isn't too bad. It's like a 1d6 or it's a, I think it was like a 1d4 plus a 1d6 fire damage. So it wasn't going to spike too bad. They uh, does have a grapple, but what I liked about them was if somebody attacked them as a melee character, they took damage, right? And what was cool is that this group is a big, heavy melee group, and they walked through my last encounter. <laughs> so this one was much more fun to see them go up and hit something and go, ooh, I just took seven points of damage. What's <laughs> You know, and all of a sudden. And then at the very end, what I loved about the thing is they the comment that came out of them is they said... Um, your, I'm trying to think exactly how they said it, but it was like, I have a talent for picking a low CR creature that is actually the toughest, lowest CR creature that can be. So Like the efficiency for them from their point of view is they have to work twice as hard as any other group to get the 200 XP because I didn't give them goblins. I gave them fire snakes that have multi-attack, 16 AC, can fire damage, uh, have resistance against you know, non-magical weapons. And they're like, you're always doing that. And I'm, I was just thinking, I don't do it on purpose. I just thought that was just a cool, interesting thing. This fits where I want to do this thing. So it's funny that they think that I do that. So I thought that was funny as far as a CR discussion. And it was interesting for me. The question there was, again, I'm not trying to make the encounters specific to the group. I'm trying to make the what they could run into be specific to the story Um, but you're still kind of trying to bounce around the CR rating and how much have you been using lately? Now that we're more experienced, we're both a year on running lots of campaigns, running lots of sessions. Are you still leaning heavily like you were early on in CR or now are you to the point where you feel like I know what stuff's going on? I don't really need CR. I'm just, I'm placing four of these things because I know I want four things there.
0: Um, I definitely look at uh, action economy more than I look at CR now. Um, so i'll I'll still use Kobold Fight Club and create balanced encounters. Um, this is for my uh, home group homebrew game because my other game, Hot Springs Island, is all random monsters. and I just say, nope, I'll just give you these random monsters and we'll see what happens, um, which I have an interesting story about that after uh, or in a little bit. So I mostly look at action economy because I've seen so many times now that I'll pick a really tough monster that only has like one or two hits and and they're just like ants on sugar and they just destroy him. <laughs> um, and so what do you do in a situation like that, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's what I've been finding is that, like you said, because we've been having this talk about action economy, if you don't have the number of actions matching the party, it feels like they walk right through it. If yeah. it's five on one, it's just five on one. There's nothing you can do. And these players once again because they're playing there're a lot of power levelers so they're they're playing these hybrid tweaked paladins with mega smites and and mm-hmm. shield you know, um, feats so that they can do all this crazy stuff. And, and they're really good at knowing the rules and using them to the best of their ability. So it's like, if you just say, okay, I throw an ogre out there that ogre is going to get slaughtered. (laughs) There is no chance for that ogre to do anything to this group. So you got to come up with ways to be more interesting. Really? I I end up
0: just sprinkling like, like, Oh, here's the monster. I want them to fight. And I'm going to sprinkle like five goblins just yeah. so that there's some extra attacks and extra objects to hit. But even then a good fireball will take out all of the goblins. So mm-hmm.
1: more my group, they, they go, um, uh, not shatter happy, but they go, uh, thunder wave happy. Yeah. Like I'm running the game and like, all of a sudden there's four characters there because of the classes they chose, they all chose thunder wave. So we're in this fight and it's like, I do my thunder wave. And then I do my thunder wave and then I do my, and I'm just like thunder wave after thunder wave. <laughs> yeah oh my God, this is crazy. So players are so funny sometimes for us to try to give you challenging encounters that make sense that don't seem like we're necessarily like, cause we had the question last week about over metagaming something. Cause it'd be like, okay, I know they have two paladins. So this encounter should have something right. that's good at countering paladins. I didn't try to set it up that way, but I did want something that was going to be challenging for them. So mm. um, it is fun. And if, you're out there dungeon masters game masters and you're having some trouble you're still not sure well look at us we're we've playing lots of campaigns lots of different groups and we're still mostly sure about what we're doing but we're, there's still some uncertainty in there is this too tough or is this gonna wipe them out oh oh nope they walked through that I thought that was gonna be hard uh, nope they just you know so even all this experience that we say that we're having, we're, we're here helping you understand, we're still struggling with it a little bit. It's tough to make a perfect encounter that's exactly the right amount of hard, but also exactly the right amount that they can actually get through without yeah. being worried the whole time. So
0: No, it's a delicate yeah, balance. It, so.
1: so that was what we had done. Um, there should be another game this week. There'll definitely be another game Sunday for part-time gods. There'll be another Revenor game this week. Um, I'm still kicking around the idea of multiple DMs in the same world. Because one of the ideas that I wanted to explore now was the idea we have this living campaign. We have this world. I have it set up to where it's all in the Google Drive. Could I bring another DM who could run more groups? Because I don't have all the time slots that we need to make everybody be able to play. Because we have on that Discord probably like 30 people that have signed up to play in games, but I'm only running one game a week. So that's five people. Of the 30 get to play so if i had another dm could we get another game going but then i've been looking at the logistics of that like okay jordan me and you are going to run a live campaign how are we going to keep coordinated how Mm -hmm. are we going to keep all this how am i going to give you all the information for the world Mm -hmm. or how are you going to give me all your information for your world so now i could run the fans through your homebrew world that you're doing it's like it's a lot so it's a big job that i'm not sure I keep waffling. <laughs> I don't know if I want to want to do yet. So it's, it's maybe, but other than that, what did Jordan do in dungeons of dragons or role playing this week?
0: Well, my home game, uh, that i dm we decided to take a break because we're all obsessed with betrayal at house on the hill the board game and uh they made a legacy version called betrayal legacy so we're the next 13 sessions of D are going to be these 13 chapters of betrayal legacy that we're going to play so D is kind of on hiatus uh and we played the first the prologue and chapter one last Sunday. And I had uh, so much fun. I forget how much fun regular board games can be. And especially like betrayal at house on the Hill. I love that game so much. So we had a blast. It's really exciting. Um, This week we're not playing, so I think I'm going to go and play my Warforged Fighter at uh, my other game that I'm in. So I'll get some D&D in. But I did get some Hot Springs Island in, and my players in Hot Springs Island are still exploring these elf ruins. And they ended up getting trapped in a Groundhog Day kind of scenario where they, they went into an area. They were kind of traveled back in time. And then they were witness to an hour or two hours. I think it was an hour. Where this basically this hour repeats itself every single loop. Um, and every time it repeats itself, my players would lose uh, one charisma. And I told them that Ooh. if they got to zero charisma, they die. And the sorcerer, wow. or the yeah, the sorcerer was really upset because charisma was his ca- uh, spellcasting modifier. <laughs> so he's just like, we have to get out of here like right now. Um, Long story short, they, they uh, decided to, well, I guess it's not long story short, but, like, they decided to start interacting with these these elves from the past because they have traveled back in time. Um, but it's kind of like this weird, like, mimicry of time. So they, they can make changes, but they're not lasting permanent changes, and, and the loop resets itself. So their idea is, like, well, how do we stop this from occurring so that we can, like, break out of this loop before we die? Um, reading the book... The Hot Springs Island said that they couldn't interact with anybody, that these were like shadows of the past and they were just observers and they had to figure out a way of of either getting out of his or preventing this like ritual from happening in order to stop this time loop. But I was thinking to myself, I'm like, that's not really interesting. And immediately they walked up and they're like, well, I want to talk to these elves. And so they walked up and they started talking to elves. And I'm like, you know what? I'm changing the adventure. They're going to be able to interact with these elves. So they started interacting with them. Uh, This culminates in them trying to prevent a ritual from happening. But I had bodyguards. And I'm like, all right, Jordan's just going to throw CR out the window. I'm like I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna look I'm just gonna okay my players are level six I've got four players level six um let's just say I don't know two CR10 creatures that's got to be tough right and I ended up looking it up after I did this fight um is I looked it up in one CR10 creature for four level six characters or maybe they were level five I think some of them are level five um that's a deadly encounter mm-hmm. and I had two level or two cr10 monsters they like just cleaned up like nobody's business they walked in they hold person one they walked up and these were uh eladrin elves was the monster and they hold person one elf uh they they walked up and just ants on sugar destroyed the one elf and then they turned and killed the other one and i was like this is amazing like this is just this is crap i can't believe that the cr system is this yeah like they were like it really blew me away that they were able to bypass this i'm like that was not an encounter you were supposed to win and i had this whole scenario set up that they would die come back at full health for the next loop but the fact that they won I had them come back at hurt health for the next loop so they had to like heal each other up before going through knowing that there would be fights in the future or figure out how to bypass those fights they were really clever with disguise self and invisibility and they were like bypassing it um so then they got to the guy that was causing the ritual and I was like all right well I'm gonna make this cr 18 and so I pulled like a really tough monster and that one, they were just like, Oh my gosh, this guy's tough. And so they <laughs> ran away and I'm like, good. That's what I wanted from you Finally. guys. <laughs> that's what
1: it took. Uh,
0: But then when we had our big final showdown and they, they were trying to disrupt the ritual and bodyguards were like running on stage. I'm like, okay, I'll use three CR 10 monsters. And that was the limit where I'm just like, okay, three of these guys is a little too tough for you. So I ended up uh, having not their, attacks but their hp just so they didn't last as long but they were Mm -hmm. still like they had like 120 hp so i just you know bumped it down to 60 and they they and then i gave them uh eh, like half the experience as well i think for that monster because i'm like you you defeated him at half the hit points you get half the experience uh my players have had two sessions and now one of them bumped up to level 7 and the other ones like a hundred experience away from level seven, all because they fought these crazy CR ten creatures.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's the good XP. Though. Yeah, and that's yeah.
0: like the really good XP. But it blew me away. Like I'm like I knew the CR system was like fuzzy, but I didn't realize that it was that. Like they were it can and, be broken. Yeah. yeah, and these guys had an AC of nineteen. Um, and they were just rolling really well like everybody was above 20 I think finally somebody rolled a 17 and I said you miss and they were like oh that's surprising and new and I'm like yeah because you guys have hit every other single time and this guy's paralyzed and so you have advantage on attacks against him Uh, it was crazy but it was really fun and they they had a really great time with it this idea of like you know, the talk, the clock is ticking. You got to figure out how to get out of here before you get to zero charisma and you die basically. And mm-hmm. you're becoming weaker every single time with, especially with the spellcasters. you know? Um, yeah. I like that. So it was fun. It was really cool. And, and I liked that. I changed it. I liked how I changed it to make it more fun. And it made me think of like, what do you do? Like, do you do this with adventures? Like when you were, you're still kind of running storm King's thunder, correct?
1: Well, we're on break, but yeah, we yeah. definitely ran like 57 episodes of But that, it, so Were there ever times
0: mind. where you're like, you read the adventure and you're like, I could run it that way, but like on the fly or in the last minute, you're just like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, this giant is gonna be friendly to you instead of like an antagonist. And this is a fight, you know, like, do you ever change it like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I always look at the way they wrote it, but then if it doesn't make sense to me, I start to tweak it until it makes sense to me. Like if yeah. they say, Uh, The players are going to have to fight this person. And I'm looking at them thinking, why would my players fight them? All right, there's not a reason. I'm going to make a reason for them. (laughs) There's got to be, in my own mind, just to help me keep going, it's got to make sense to me why things are happening the way they're happening. And
0: there's got to be players' interaction that changes a DM's mindset too. And and in this instance, the players running up and like talking to the elves, Mm -hmm. I really liked the idea of them being able to interact with the elves, so I decided to change the whole adventure, which... I think ultimately was more interesting and for the better for this group. Maybe another group the other way more interesting and they they want to figure out how to how to do this from behind the scenes. Like how do I interact with these people when I can't interact with them? But yeah, I don't know. It was it was really fun. I'm still having a lot of fun with Hot Springs Island. My players are kind of not not chomping at the bit to finish the adventure, but they're they're asking me like how do we finish this adventure? Like where is there are we close to the end? And to be honest, they're they're not because I even talked to the developers on Reddit or the developers, the writers of the adventure on Reddit. And I was like, how do you typically end Hot Springs Island? And their response was, well, you don't ever really end because if they defeat this guy, he has an evil boss. And if they defeat this guy, he's got an evil boss. And you're also forgetting about this ancient God and you're forgetting about this. And there's so many puzzle pieces that you could potentially just run Hot Springs Island until they're level 20. Like, and they have to go take on a dead god that's living inside of a volcano. Like, yeah. there's just all this crazy stuff that's going on in Hot Springs Island. Um, at the same time, I think my players, and I think most players in an adventure like this, find logical conclusions. Like, mm-hmm. like, they know that they want to leave the island for these reasons, and they need money to leave the island. So if we go and raid this island, Giant monsters, treasure hoard—that's probably going to be enough to get me off the island and to free me, etc. Or maybe they—they they take that position of power and then they become the evil overlord of Hot Springs Island and they're ruling it. So there's there's lots of natural conclusions, and I'm personally waiting for my players to stumble upon that. And maybe that'll happen in two levels, or maybe that'll happen in five levels. Like I'm not really sure, but right. they're having a blast, and I'm loving Hot Springs Island. Uh, yeah. I also bought oh, a new book. I didn't tell you this. Oh, here we go. go um, it's called the Nameless Grimoire. It's 666 spells to use for your Dungeons and Dragons game, and it's mm-hmm. got all of these different weird spells. Like there's time loops, and there's there's some that are that are similar to what's in the D, in the player's handbook already, like teleports and things like that. But uh, I'm really excited to use this book um, and drop like weird spell scrolls. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I've never heard of this spell that turns people into chickens for 1d8 rounds. Like, that's right. weird. It's not necessarily polymorph. It's this other weird functioning spell of chicken magic. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be really fun. But I picked that up thanks to the people that have been buying my adventure Dragon on the Mount. I had mm-hmm. a surplus credit in my DriveThruRPG account, and I was able to buy this uh, this book. So, And I print on demand, so I'll get a nice fancy copy of it here
1: that's cool there was a question in chat that was saying um for that group the hot springs island group how many magic items do each one of them have
0: um each of them has one magic item uh the barbarian has a plus one axe great axe the ranger has a plus one sword the well useful magic items they have some non-useful magic items that they got like uh i can't remember one of them has like a bucket of elemental energy and they can reach inside the bucket and chuck elemental energy out but when they do that they take damage to throw damage so they've never used it um <laughs> and the cleric has uh like a, basically a an enhanced uh uh magic uh what's the word i'm looking for? Um, like a wand or a spell like a wand um like a spell conduit i can't think of the word it's on the tip of my brain Um, arcane focus arcane focus thank you that's what i was like i'm like Mm -hmm. i can't think of it um Mm -hmm. they have like an enhanced arcane focus that they use but the sorcerer doesn't really have anything other than a couple of like weird magic items here so they they weren't overpowered magic item-wise to take down these two CR 10 creatures.
1: Yeah, that's just the question I think was leading to it was, oh, do they have so many magic items that really... Because they were saying in their campaign, because their players do have more magic items, when they do the Cobalt Fight Club, they put them in as a couple levels higher just for the magic items versus if it was just raw, their fifth level, they have no magic item kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, this was 100%. Uh, luck. A lot of it was yeah. luck because, like I said, they had an AC of 19. They they mm-hmm. got that paralyzed spell off so that they were basically fighting one CR10 creature. And then when the paralyzed wore off, they were able to fight the other CR10 creature. Yeah. So um, it's just good tactics. So it was really good tactics. And they got really lucky with rolls because uh, these Aladrin have advantage on saving throws against spell effects. But again, oh, I rolled goodness. like a two and a three. And so it's like, yeah. yep, he failed. Like, even though I had
1: advantage. So I do know one thing that I've been doing for my group. Groups which seem to play more tactically and are very smart about how to go into combat is when I look at the um, stats from roll 20 and I'm bringing those characters in or even coming right out of the book, the HP total they give you usually is an average amount of the hit dice and bonus versus what I've been doing is just been using the maximum. So whatever the if it says 5d8 then I'm using exactly what 5d8 plus 12 is instead of their average number that okay. they have HP. So it's making them tougher. Um, but my players hit so hard anyways, it's, it, I think it's it feels like it's been evening it out. So I, I instead of using the HP score now, I'm using what the max hit dice would be hmm. that is listed for the creature. So
0: That's a good, yeah, plan of attack. I could try that in the future. I've always used the average just because it's there, I guess, in yeah. the monster manual. But
1: Well, do you use the average on because they'll sometimes put it for the damage also
0: no i roll damage
1: I, yeah. yeah see so yeah. that's what made me even think about it. I was like you know what i'm always rolling damage why don't i roll the hit dice of the creatures i hadn't been doing that and then i was rolling it but i was getting really wide ranging rolls and I, I thought no this isn't what i want either but i was looking at that number thinking oh well a tough orc could still be you know, 2d 10 plus whatever. So maybe I should, these orcs should really be a 28 mm-hmm. point instead of 16 or 15. And it actually kind of swings some of those. I think they make them a little more fun or it has been for my group. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, yeah, that's my hot Springs Island report. I'm having lots of fun with it. Uh, w- what do we have going on next week? Lucian
1: next week, we hopefully should be having our interview. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, verify in fact, right after the show, I'll send a tweet to our guest, but I believe we're going to have, uh, Jim from WebDM come and join us. Just like we had Mr. Pruitt come over and talk to us. We're going to have Jim come over and talk to us. Um, we've been scheduling it for the 26th. So hopefully his schedule is still good. If it's not, I will post on Twitter or we'll talk about it in the show for whatever reason if we have to reschedule, which sometimes happens with our guests who are gracious enough to come on and speak with us. But if everything holds to what we have scheduled at the moment, next week we should have uh, Jim with us talking about Dungeons & Dragons and being a dungeon master and probably talking about the channel and just the stuff they're doing. Like He's got some really cool campaigns that he's running, that he's a part of at the moment, and all that history and experience of you know all the videos they put out about talking about their experiences but we're going to get to sit down with them and him and just say hey what is this or what is that And we get to really ask some cool questions
0: and you guys get asked some cool questions too so if you want to drop on in with some questions for mr jim davis uh please do Uh, And we'll take questions from chat and and put them into the show, and it's going to be fun. But we're really excited to have him on. So uh, hopefully, pending everything works out, it looks like it will work out. Um, But you know, uh, you never know what will happen. Uh, So we'll follow us on Twitter for updates. Um, And with that, that is the end of our show. Thank you guys so much for coming out and watching us uh, for a live stream of the Saturday morning D and D show. Mm Anything
1: else before we leave, Mr. Lucian? Nope, but also in February, I've already got something cooking for February guests. So keep in mind, we're trying to do one guest a month. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye out, keep keep looking at us on Twitter, keep talking to us in the, oh, everything's been really good in people talking in comments of the videos, whether it's in the YouTube videos, the VODs, uh, keep that up because we really enjoy interacting with all of you. Oh, I did get a game sent to me that I was gonna mention. it was from uh, Taylor Dano, And this was really a funny thing. He sent me an RPG that he's created that is a game to help you learn about Canada and how they do treaty negotiation. Nice. But it's an RPG. <laughs> and I <Yeah>. thought, <clears throat> and at first I thought, okay, that's not something I ever thought I would think to play a game about. Yeah. But then it made me realize one thing that I thought was really funny is that if there's one person that's interested enough to make a game about it, I bet you there's a community of people just waiting for it because there's there's always somebody else that has your same interest. Yeah. Like, there's nobody out there where you're the only one that likes this. There's always that group. So if he finds his group that just were like, we're super interested in this, it's going to be great. I have no idea what it's going to be like. I'm going to take a look at it and just read through it because they sent it for free and I thought it was fun. So, hey, any of you other TTRPG creators out there, we would love to take a look at your game. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I love... Uh, this opportunity. And that's really cool. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there. But other than that, that's all I have for our Saturday morning show. Today. All right.
0: Well, thank you again, everybody for watching. Uh, yeah. Just really love having you. Uh, please feel free to share these videos with your friends. Um, subscribe to the podcast and all that jazz. Okay. Leave us a review. And we will see you next week with hopefully a very special guest on a very special Saturday morning D&D show. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Take care.